Wonder Woman was first introduced to us in Batman vs Superman. Diana was a strong warrior branding a sword and a shield featuring a dynamic guitar ripping theme. As an audience we were hungry for more and in 2017 Gal Gadot reprised her role alongside Chris Pine. Directed by Patty Jenkins, this film has gone on to be rated the best solo DC hero film and the best female superhero film. With the Snyder Cut giving Justice League and Wonder Woman another go at it, let's jump back to the original and break down the action sequences with my special guests. Let's start the show. You are the curious, we are the curious audience. Here with me today is firefighter Kevin Verhoeven and stunt performer Nick Verhoeven. How you doing, guys? I'm good. Hi. How are you? <laughs> so, Nick, tell us what were your thoughts of the film, the 2017? First of all, like the opening 20 minutes or whatever, I think was probably the best introduction to a superhero uh, life and origin story that I've ever seen. You've got amazing warrior women kicking butt in training sessions. And I think that really sets everything up for the rest of the film. Um, Ridiculously enjoyable, really great action sequences, um, a lot of humour as well, which is really great. Um, And I, I can definitely agree with it being the best DC film that they've brought out, 100%. I, I really liked it. Coming from someone that um, that isn't isn't a big DC fan um, uh, in in general, um, both the comics and the movies, um, I I really really enjoyed it. I think Wonder Woman. You know, when we saw Wonder Woman in Batman vs Superman, we didn't really get too much of her. We got to see her a little bit as Diane. We got to see her kick ass as Wonder Woman, and then. Like you say, Nick, like the origin of this is so good because you don't get the nitty gritty, but you get enough to get a sense of this is a strong, badass woman. And and um, then the tone of the the uh, First World War on top of that really added to make this a really strong film. What did you guys think of the Absolutely. villains of the film? I would have loved to have seen them fleshed out a little bit more. I think um, there was so much riding on Diana believing that, you know, this was actually a God rather than we're actually knowing a little bit more about who they really are. Um, so I think it would have been really interesting to find out a little bit more of, um, like I can't remember the, the doctor's name who was doing all the gas stuff, but she looks like she's got an amazing backstory as well. Like that would be really great to kind of flesh those out a bit too. Mm. Um, granted you can only do so much in, you know, two hours, but, um, yeah, I think there was room for that to grow even more as opposed to just being like, oh, this is a bad guy and we're going to pretend that Diana thinks this is, you know, the god of war. Mm-hmm. That's, in in my opinion, yeah. I um, I, I have a tendency of, of, um, of agreeing to the, I, I, I guess um, I guess it's kind of hard because um, specifically Do- Dr. Maru or, or Dr. Poison, as she's known in the movie, um, she's very closely based on her comic counterpart. Um, so I don't know whether or not, um, the, the director or the writer was just assuming that the, like it, that in itself was a little bit of fan service in that they didn't give her a, much of a backstory, but I don't know. Look, I, I, again, I, I agree. It would have taken, you know, 10, 15 minutes to give them a, a flashback or a talk about, you know, like where the scarring came from or, you know, where this mm. or that, look, ma- maybe it was said in the movie very briefly, but if it did, it didn't make much of an impact on me. 
I wonder if they left that space in the thinking that they might revisit that in a sequel. You know, they could have well, had did. her come back again, come back again, because she didn't die. Uh, didn't they drop a tank on her? Wonder Woman oh, they were, they were threatening to drop a tank on her. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and look, the the other villain in it, Eric Ludendorff, is actually like name wise, is is in, is an actual real historic figure. But the actual character, like the villain character in the movie, is based more on the a character called the Duke of Deception from the original series. Oh wow, you've done a deep dive. That's really interesting. I love it. I just, you know what? I'm I'm that guy <laughs> that reads comics. <laughs> well, I want to hear Nick's point of view on strong women in film. You train as a stunt performer. That's your passion. How do you feel about the way the women were dressed and portrayed, and the strength of Wonder Woman and um, the other women in the film? To start off, that I will give kudos to the writers of Wonder Woman in that it actually passes the Bechdel test. Um, For those who don't know what that is, it is just the measure of representation of women in fiction. And to pass the test, you have to get three points. Does it have two or more women named characters, not just like check out chick, then we need to know their names. Do they have a conversation with each other in one scene? And does that conversation centre around something other than a man? (laughs) Um, and within the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes, boom, they pass it because we are looking at these incredible, it's a a society of amazing, strong women. And to be honest, that training sequence for me, I was just gobsmacked. You had, you know, Olympians, you had horse riders and archers and all these women that different body shapes and types, and they were all celebrated for strength and not just being beautiful. Granted, they were all stunning women, but they were stunning because they owned their strength. And that for me is what I really loved about Wonder Woman. It didn't shy away from the fact that, yep, they were women. Granted, skimpily clad. It was armor, but, you know, it still looked good. But it didn't shy away from the fact that they were strong and they were commanding the space entirely. So as a woman and as a stunt performer, that's something that I really, really resonated with and I loved. Um, You kind of forget about if there were any flaws in the beginning because you're so excited by what you're actually seeing on the screen. And speaking of the the costumes, you know, they really took some um, time and purpose in designing all the costumes. So it it accentuated the, the strength of these women but didn't put them in any precarious positions. Like you even look at Wonder Woman, the way the corset is designed that eagle comes up to make sure she's always um modest modest isn't the right word but yeah yeah she's not on display you're seeing the strength and nothing else absolutely and you know you could definitely looking at the costumes of the other amazons there's definite influences in like the roman centurions and the ancient greeks where you know the men wore short skirts because it's easy to fight in so why not stick the women in that but you're right it was it was done tastefully and it was done more to show off their skill and athleticism as opposed to make them look like sexual, sexual objects, which fantastic, you know, absolutely. Was the costume designer a female in this, just out of interest? Does anyone know? Ooh, who's going to be the quick Googler? <laughs> <laughs> I, would, it's, it's, I would imagine so. I mean, the, yeah, the director it was actually one of the points sure. that I was not necessarily worried about, but really good to see that they they essentially got it right, which was the costumes. I mean, we, we, we know, we know what, um, you know, Wonder Woman looked like in the TV series and, and we've obviously got, um, images in our head of what she looks like in the comics and comics have a very, um, 
have a have a tendency of of portraying someone, not just females, but anyone, as very hypersexualized and and the way they're they're drawn and stuff like that. So it it is really good. And going on from what you guys said, is really good to see that they they did get the costumes right. Um, it is it is still feminine, but it's not over the top. It doesn't shout, and it's not their their femininity isn't based on the fact that they are wearing this costume. Um, it just so happens that they are these amazing female characters and it just so happens that they're made, they're, they're wearing what they're wearing. So I just had a quick look up of who the costume designer was. It's a woman by the name of Lindy Hemming, Lindy Hemming. Okay. Uh, you might be familiar with that name cause she's won uh, multiple awards for costume design, including an Oscar for a movie called topsy turvy. She's responsible for some of the costumes for dark Knight, um, James Bond, nice. tomb Raider, so she's very well equipped and has done it so fantastically. I want to talk a, a little bit about um, the villain at the end. Now, uh, for those of you who haven't seen, I'm about to reveal it. You should have already seen it by now, though. But the final villain was Ares, who um, was sitting in the film the whole way along with his big mustache. And we finally get to see him revealed. This is one of the things that is probably the low point for Wonder Woman film because... Um, Warner Brothers consistently has relied upon this big CGI for their main villains, and it's often fallen flat. What, do you, what did you guys think of the final boss fight? Oh, Kevin's <laughs> making a face. Say what you're saying, Kevin. <laughs> look, I um, as as far as look, it, it's extremely hard because not only in just this movie, but in in a lot of superhero movies, the the fight scene with Wonder Woman at the front line, um, you know, walking out of the trenches and the follow-on to that really sets the standard, not just in female fight scenes, but in fight scenes in general. It, it is so well choreographed. The cinema, cinematography in it is absolutely spot on and the music that matches it from Hans Zimmer is just phenomenal. So while the end fight scene isn't necessarily glaringly bad, in contrast to this amazing fight scene in the middle of the movie, it is really bad. Yeah, I would absolutely agree in that. I mean, as an audience, we were gifted these amazing fight sequences from the beginning, which really sets you up for the whole film. You know, you for me personally, the Amazon versus German fight at the beginning is spectacular. Um, and then, yeah, it does kind of, I believe Kevin's right, like it really does kind of dwindle down and this boss fight is quite anticlimactic. Um, I thought the reveal of the villain was was great. You weren't expecting it at all and there's that <gasps> moment, but then the actual um, resolution to that, I feel, yeah, you kind of was like, okay, yep, we know where this is going to go, which was for me slightly disappointing because, again, those first couple of fight sequences were just, so epic that you really wanted that to crescendo up as opposed to kind of fizzle out throughout the movie it's it's fine but as as a character as the main villain he just he doesn't seem intimidating both his voice and his and his persona like even when when he's wearing the armor he's just not i don't know is it the mustache (laughs) (laughs) it was for me you know when you saw him (laughs) when zeus cast him out he still had the mustache Yep. And then even when he was revealed at the end, he donned the armor. You could see that mustache throughout it. And I just thought, oh, there's a there's an old mustachio man there. Like, it's not a god <laughs> of war. 
That's it. The CGI I thought was like in 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 the bigger picture as well. I, I think um, the CGI was was pretty average um, in in the in the final fight scene. There's so many different ways they could have done it, and the the hyper realistic um, like there's one scene in general where like she's she she's finally getting angry and she's she's like fighting through um, groups of of Germans or Nazis, and there's this hyper realistic um, like speed warpy thing happening in the background and you can tell she isn't really moving she must be on a gimbal or something like that and i don't know that that kind of that that just that scene in itself just spoiled the the whole end for the end of the movie for me um i think personally that's more of a a comment on the vfx team and Zack snyder's kind of look because if you look back at all the other stuff that Zack and the same VFX team did like Sucker Punch. That whole film is filled with it, but it's a hyper-reality uh, from the beginning. Mm. You're in a dreamland for almost the whole film, whereas I think Wonder Woman, you're living in a reality, and then they try to throw in these extreme moments, and it just doesn't mm. 100% gel. Mm. Um, they still look great, but it does make the audience kind of sit back for a second and go, oh, that was CGI, as opposed to you just believing the realism of the entire film, which something like Sucker Punch, you're in from the beginning. I think also like with the realism that you're talking about when we're in the 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 quintessential front lines with the German soldiers it's so set in the real you know she's not doing anything apart from you know dodging a few bullets that you would mistake for not thinking oh this could happen this could really happen but by the time we get to the end with that Ares fight she's you know jumping as tall as a building she's throwing tanks it's it's that hyper exaggeration of superpowers and it's possible that the build-up throughout the film didn't get us to that point where we could understand, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, she can do that. Where, where with a Superman, we know straight away, oh, of course, yeah, he can smash through a building. Or, But we, we never were led down that path to think mm-hmm. that she yeah. could do it. I think her aunt in the beginning mentions that she's when she's training her as a young one that, you know, you're stronger than you know, and I guess – from that we are supposed to kind of believe that as she gains confidence and strength and truth in who she is, then that would go. But yeah, we, we don't, we aren't really seeing, we're not given that as a visual as well. We just kind of got to go with, Oh, she must be getting stronger and better. The stronger she gets, the sooner he'll find her. Hippolyta. I love her as you do, but this is the only way to truly protect her. You will train her harder than any Amazon before her. Five times harder. Ten times harder. Until she is better than even you. But she must never know the truth about what she is or how she came to be. Um, Nick, you are our resident stunt performer. And so you're <laughs> seeing this film through a completely different uh, lens to us. Is there a stunt in this film that you could kind of help us novices break down and and how does this work and what makes it so amazing yeah so um as with a lot of um superhero films there's an awful lot of wire work and a lot of rigging people are going flying because of super strength and the amazons in the beginning are doing these you know triple backflips and stuff so i thought um that in itself is 
pretty self-explanatory. But what I thought I might do is just have a look at that first fight between the Amazons and the Germans on the beach and just kind of break that down um, because when I looked into it, I didn't realise the amount of work that went on behind the scenes for that one. Um, and then feel free to obviously, if you guys have questions, stick your hands up and we'll go from there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so in this film as well, there was over 200 stunt performers uh, and that doesn't include vehicles. So vehicles is a completely separate department, um, okay. but there were 205 stunt performers and riggers and they all were working together. Um, does that does that include animals as well? Uh, there was a separate horse unit, but they are linked in with the stunt performers. No. So you would have found not every stunt performer can ride a horse, so they probably got specialty horse riders who were doing like the really cool side hanging off the horse stuff um, and then brought them in for the team. Yeah. Um, so that first massive scene on the beach I didn't realize that that's not what that beach looks like. So you've got those beautiful white cliffs at the back, which Patty really, really wanted to um, accentuate the look of the island. Um, they found those cliffs in Italy, but the stretch of beach that was attached to those cliffs would only fit about 15 people on it. So while it looked beautiful, you could not have a fight scene on it. So what they did was shoot the cliffs and then added it in post. So already before you even start wow. filming, you've got a really, really complex element that you've added to the shoot. Um, the shoot itself took about three to four months worth of prep time. So rehearsing, choreographing everything, um, putting together all those different elements, and then the shoot was two weeks. Wow. Um, one of the main problems the cinematographer mentioned was getting the lighting right because you're shooting outdoors it's sunny, the sun moves, you've got to keep an eye on shadows, you've got to keep an eye on exposure. Oh, look, it's rainy today. So that in itself was another element that they had to play with. Um, they also put the two units together. So normally when you're shooting a film, you have a main unit, which shoots all the main um, dialogue and scenes, and then you have a second unit, which is your action unit. So that way you can have all the stunts being shot at the same time that all the main action is being shot and it cuts down time. For this one, they put both units together. So they had up to eight cameras filming at one time, which, again, in itself, you can't have camera B in camera D shot. We've got to mm. make sure the focus on camera F is the same. So before we even get the performers in, you've got all of that technical stuff. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize when you're looking at these amazing battle sequences is the stunts are like the end part of it. You've got to get all this other stuff put together first before we even add bodies. Um and I think that's really, really cool yeah. part of it. Yeah. Um, moving on from that, so now we've got everything set up. All the wire stuff that you see involved, so when I say wire, I mean anything that looks like somebody's been thrown from a distance. Um, a lot of the bullet hits would have been a manual pull just so they get a little bit more violent reaction to it as opposed to somebody just falling down. That would have been shot in a green screen studio. Um, because we can't put cranes out on the beach to hang people from wires. Mm -hmm. So all that would have taken place offset, and then we're going to add that in in post as well. So <laughs> now we're adding in <laughs> adding in uh. wire tricks as well as all the fight choreography. Um, so the, the thing I love about these sorts of big sequences is they're huge, and we're putting together 10 different elements to make one cohesive and I think the whole fight goes for maybe three minutes 
Yeah. Maybe not even. Um, and yeah, so you're looking at two weeks worth of shoot time. You're looking at multiple um, shooting venues. You're looking at millions of cameras and hours. And so, yeah, I just, I wanted to really bring that up that when you're looking at something like that, it's not just as simple as two guys saying, well, I'm going to punch here and I'm going to punch here. It's this massive choreographed orchestra that has to come together and everyone has to be doing the right thing at the right time. So, can, yeah, that's my take you, on the Amazon. <laughs> can I ask you about the – you were talking about the when they get hit with bullets and the pull action. If yes. If a stunt person is swinging and then they have the bullet shot, how do they do the the jerk and then – does that person then land on something or are they how how tough is that stunt to do um yeah so the beauty of sand is it's actually quite nice to land in so they may have just landed directly on sand they may have dug in a little mat and then covered it with sand so beach is a really great place to film stunts um so usually what would happen if you're swinging for example and then you get shot oh like um one of the beginning shots yeah she swings and then gets shot um my suggestion is they would probably have what's called a, a motivator line, um, which motivates movement from to a different direction. So the stunt performer would be rigged up in a, a harness that looks kind of like a weight vest when you're training. There's what we call different pick points. So you'll put a little tiny uh, shackle and attach your wire to wherever you would like that, that movement to come from to originate. And then there's just somebody offset. And when we've got the action, three, two, one, and then on action, they pull and you get that really shift, like that really quick jarring motion that looks like a bullet hit. Wow. Um, yeah, we find that that just, especially when it's it's so immediate and it, at oftentimes you're already doing another action, it just makes it look more real as opposed to the stunt performer themselves just moving a shoulder. If you have somebody actually pulling on it with full strength, you get much more of a realistic sort of um, end picture. Do you get injured from that, like sudden jerking? Oh, look, if you do it eight hours a day, you do start to feel a little bit kind of whiplashy for sure. <laughs> um, but again, that, that's a conditioning thing too. So the more you do it, obviously the more your body gets used to it. Mm. But I do love sitting in the, the warm spa after a day like that just to relax <laughs> the muscles again for sure. <laughs> you, you and I have had this conversation, Nick, um, in that um, you're saying that, that um, doing stunts on, on sand is is – preferable because it is a relatively soft landing however like you look at someone like like the character of trevor and what he was wearing at the time and then you look at the the amazons doing exactly the same fight scene and and although um uh yes sand is is preferable to fall on they weren't wearing a hell of a lot compared to trevor so there was no padding there was no nothing yeah and that's that's something that you know most women's stunties, it just kind of comes with the job that, you know, 90% of your jobs, you're going to be wearing a singlet and short shorts and you've got to fall downstairs. So you pad where you can and then you learn to fall on those pads. Um, yeah. The other guys were full pants, full long jacket. They might have had pads everywhere to protect themselves. But um, I guess it just comes with the the benefits of being a female stunty, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean there's less um, complaining from the male stunt people at the end then? Because they're so covered up, they can't complain when you've got, you know, hardly anything. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's always a little bit of, oh, my elbow hurts. It's like, well, at least you've got something on it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but they also do incredible work too, so I can't take anything away from them. 
I'm imagining it must, like, after performing in those stunts and then seeing them in the film, it must be so surreal for the actors and actresses because they, they truly haven't witnessed it. They know bits and pieces of what's happened. And like you say, everything's being um, layered on top of each other. It's, it's like they weren't there. It is. And it's also, I think that's what makes it even a little bit more rewarding is that when you do finally see what everyone else is seeing, you're like, oh man, no, that actually looks really great. <laughs> you know, um, you can always pause and look back at, you know, you can do a bit of replay, but you you'd absolutely don't get the same sort of feeling. And yeah, when you do see it come together, you get, it's another pride thing. You're like, yeah, I was a part of that. I mean, those Amazon fights were so phenomenal to look at that you wouldn't, you would just feel so good about them. Absolutely. So what's, what's your favorite stunt to do? Ooh, um, I do enjoy just really good fight sequences. I think when they come together really well, when you've got it filmed really well, I think there's nothing better than a really good fight sequence. Being set on fire is a lot of fun. Well, I haven't. <laughs> That's a lot more intense and it's yeah. over a lot quicker. Um, but, yeah, for me, I and it's something that I also probably get the biggest kick out of when I watch it back is just a really well done fight scene is just, you know, perfection. So when it comes to a fight scene, how, how close is the speed to what we would actually see on the camera? Are you doing it the speed that a, a normal speed? Or are they speeding it up in post? Um, yeah, so, I mean, it depends on the the actual stunt and you may have to speed up little sections of it. Um, we would never fight at what we call full pace, which is if you're in a brawl, in like real-life situation. We normally need to slow it down to about a 70% simply because the camera loses a lot of that action if you do it at full pace. Mm. Um, you miss things being thrown and everything just happens too fast and the audience doesn't get to register it. Um, which is why, like, I love one of my favorite fight scenes of all time is the one between Bane and Batman when they're along that um, corridor and he's throwing these so massive, good. heavy, mm. slow bombs because you get to appreciate how much that's actually got to hurt. Um, so, yeah, we definitely need to slow it all down. Sometimes a fraction of it might not work. So then, yeah, you might just speed it up a couple of frames in post. But other than that, we do really want to try and get it as spot on as we can when we're actually filming it. The speed of the scene as well, and, and this is coming from someone that, that studied this sort of stuff, there's, there is a technique with fight scenes as well whereby they they drop the frame rate and then speed it up in post to give it that, um, to give it that um, feeling of speed or, or they, they speed, I can't remember, they speed, it up, they speed up the frame rate and then slow it down in post. It's something like that. So it, it gives you that, that feeling of of speed and it just does slightly speed up the footage but in like realistically it's still shot at the same pace yeah i mean the beauty of of technology at the moment is there's so much you can do with it you can speed down frame rates and then fix up in post you can really play and you know like the super slow motion stuff always looks really great as well um so it's just as technology gets better and better i think it just makes all the stunts and all the fight sequences even better because there's so much to play with. Well, I think that's given us a bit of an insight into the stunts of Wonder Woman and what it's like to be a stunt performer. I mean, the next film I'm going to see, I'm going to try and see it through your lens and appreciate, you know, for a three-minute 
Wonder Woman scene. How many weeks did you say? Many. Crazy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's probably the same for the Aries scene too that I didn't like. So I need to appreciate all that a little bit more in the work that was done to make that. Well, I want to thank you guys. Thanks, Kevin. And thanks, Nick, for coming and talking Wonder Woman with me today. Thank you for joining me for another episode of The Curious Audience. Uh, let me know your thoughts by commenting on the episode Instagram post. It would mean a lot to me and let me know what you like about the show. Until next time, cheers.